Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixer G, uh, the original influencer. <laughs> I had a podcast long before people were on Instagram and everything else, and I uh, never thought that I would want to create a branded product. And then these influencers came out, and at first I didn't take them seriously because what they were doing was doing videos from their bedroom with their freaking bed behind them. Like, can't you pick a better design, a better background? No, they didn't want it. What they wanted was to show that they were working from home, that they were putting on makeup from home. And as they kept explaining how to put on makeup, they built up this following. People who started looking to them for advice and then started to say to them, well, I'd like to wear your makeup. I'd like to have your hair extensions. I'd like to have your hair care products. And then the process for creating that became incredibly tough because they know about makeup. They don't know about Chinese factories and sourcing and, and inventory management and all that. But a lot of them figured it out. Most of them didn't. And then into this fray, today's guest jumped in and said, you know what? There's got to be a better way. And he created it. His name is Ronick Trevetti. He is the founder of Pietra. What they do is basically everything. And we'll talk about what that means. <laughs> Um, and they go beyond uh, cosmetics. They go to, well, we'll get into all of that. And we could we can find out how he did this, how the business is growing, and uh, you know the usual stuff. Tell the story of how this startup grew thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you need a website, I want you to go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy, and I'll use my influence to get you to go there. And the second, if you need to send out email, I'm going to tell you why from the beginning you should start off with sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. But first, Ro, good to have you here, man. Thank you for having me. What's your revenue right now? Ooh, um, wish I could tell you that, but it's uh, we're going to make a big announcement soon before the end of the year. Uh, end of the year, um, and I could say it's it's significant for our size and growing every every two weeks. And we just give, finished give me a ballpark. Are we ever. talking tens of millions, single millions, thousands, single digit millions? Um, okay. That's great. I was just released uh, by the information last week, so the exact amount we'll we'll get at the end of the year. All right. I just wanted to get a sense of how big is this business, and it was funded by Andreessen Horowitz and others. How much funding did you take on? Yeah, so Andreessen, um, Andreessen funded our, our seed round, and then we brought in Founders Fund as well for to lead our Series A. Mm -hmm. um, and in total now, we've raised $20 bucks over two rounds. And the company was founded about uh, two years ago, roughly, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, 2019 is, is when we started and we went through a radical shift, uh, like I would think a lot of companies uh, during the pandemic, or right before the pandemic. The original idea came to you from where? You don't look like you're a guy who's an influencer. You don't look like somebody who's trying to do this <laughs> well, and my... had trouble. Yeah, I think what's uh, what, what, what's interesting is um, if you look at my background, I, I worked at Uber before before starting this company, uh -huh. um, and it, and it's kind of in product. Just so uh, people know, we're not talking about a guy who started out driving Ubers and then had this idea. You started out a product there. Before <laughs> yeah. that, you were Microsoft. I think you were a project manager, yeah, program manager at Microsoft. So you have a good tech background there. So yeah, walk me through yeah, what was exactly. it about Uber that led you to this? Yeah, and and. Uh, and, and shout out to my Uber pool homies. Um, I know they relaunched the share product today, um, but it was it was kind of interesting uh, when when you are in the Bay Area. Uh, I'm originally from Toronto. Uh, went uh, ended up in in San Francisco, um, and one of the interesting things that I realized was if you are in technology or, or you have an idea for a tech company, um, and you live in the Bay Area. 
all of the infrastructure around you is caters to kind of helping you pursue this dream, right? This idea of if you you know want to compete with Uber, for example, um, you can get a data center set up through AWS. You can get an office very quickly through WeWork. Mm-hmm. You can get capital from the best VCs in the world, and they have these safe term sheets that go really quickly. And you can kind of start competing mm-hmm. um, and building your company. Uh, but then you go, you know, I fly back east. You go talk to someone in a different part of the world, New York or Toronto or wherever. And you'll find creative people saying something like, I've been trying to start my denim line for three years, or I've been trying to start a watch brand for five years, or I've been trying to start my Did you do that? Did you really years. have friends who were trying to do that? Or were you just Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my good You were. Yeah, one well, no, one of my good friends actually I saw him kind of go through this process with his best friend starting a watch brand. Um, which is which is very interesting. Uh and and what you realize when you see these small businesses, these creative people who who want to launch these these brands and these companies, these product lines, um, and he was a relatively small, I think he had about ten thousand uh, followers at the time, and you know he's like it does it feels like there is no support, uh, f- yeah. like mm-hmm. you would have support in tech for everything from finding a production partner to uh, figuring out which services you need to just run a website. And and I think like the interesting thing mm-hmm. is we get, we got deeper into the creator community is I always say like, you know, the meme that TikTok versus reality, right? It's like in your head, you're like, I would like to launch a loungewear line. And you're picturing all these mm-hmm. awesome, beautifully designed products. And then on the other side, you're picturing a beautiful website and a beautiful place to sell and a lot of people going and purchasing it. And everything in between yeah. is actually the really, really hard part um, that, that, no one had solved and it's a big hairy global problem that's why a lot of people haven't solved it and i think uh you know we were just coming when we were starting out we were we were thinking about this idea of like what if we were the ones that powered kind of the next generation of these brands these cloud-based digital first brands that should have the same capabilities of all the big brands you see in stores um but do so Uh from their couch you know like and 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 the last thing i'll say which is interesting when when we started along this path is the creator economy wasn't huge um you know at the time the words passion economy from we're just getting created influencers was still a thing um and and what we when we started really analyzing it we realized that so many other industries were going this way right in tech you have something like aws where amazon 10 years ago was like don't right. make eight data centers that's like not how you're going to differentiate Here's some some tech that allows you to spin up a data center. Cool. Ten years later, you're crazy to be creating your own data center to prove an idea. I, I get it. And so, so your original idea was, I'm going to make it easy for creators to create the products that they want to to make and then to sell them, kind of like Alibaba, but a but but what? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's kind of interesting. So the way I think of it is like. Um, it's a little bit different in that it's it's all encompassing, right? So there are a lot mm-hmm. of services that exist in the world to achieve your goal of starting yeah. a business. Um, but what we've seen over the past five years is actually stitching together these services, these disparate services and companies from different parts of the world is actually the hard part. It's not fundamentally that you couldn't set up a website to start selling a product. I mean, there's like 10, 20 places you can very easily start selling a product if you want. Um, There's a few places where you can go try and source products like an Alibaba, for example. Um, Yeah. But what we found in in our hypothesis was actually that we can deliver a lower cost, a faster timeline, 
if we help with all parts of the supply chain. So we like to we have built the platform where it seems like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's very comprehensive and it should be, where a creator can quite literally from their couch launch the next best selling brand that can turn into all the brands that you read about on the news, and you can get sample you can find okay I get that and. Mm-hmm. And part of it make a lot of it makes sense to me because I've interviewed entrepreneurs here. They did go to Alibaba and they struggled because the first factory sucked and the next one screwed them over and didn't deliver the right products. And then they had to decide, do we still ship it or do we recreate it? All right. I get all that. I also now understand because your friend was in jewelry, why you told our producer that the first area that you decided to focus on was the jewelry vertical. And so you were going to create a company that would allow people to create things like your friend's watch brand without having any connections to China, any trips anywhere in the world. Am I right about that? So the second part is right. The first part is not. So our our goal is to build a network of manufacturing partners that you can work with um, that can be anywhere in the world. And, And our job is what we say is we digitize the global supply chain, meaning our goal. No, I get that. But I'm saying I want to understand the, 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 evolution of the business. It seems like your first version was going to be for jewelry creators, Co- right? Correct, correct. The goal was always to scale up. We were yeah. starting we were starting in that vertical and the idea was um how can we help start a jewelry brand, right? Um was our first yep. vertical for creators who have audiences that that are looking to monetize. And the pandemic forced us to actually have this constraint of like we had this idea of like building something from home, um but the pandemic basically forced that reality and then it became the only way to do business. So as we had this hypothesis okay. early on, the pandemic hit, and we realized actually you have to be able to not only work with a factory collaboratively um, over the internet, but you need to be able to do stuff like design samples, get them sent to your house, approve them, you know, do inventory runs, automatically right. send it to a fulfillment center, all of the pieces um, that you would need to start a brand. And jewelry was an interesting one because it had a lot of good properties. One, it was a very fast growing category in, in fashion. Um, a year before the pandemic, one of the fastest growing categories in fashion, uh, which is really cool. Um, it was very popular to sell on Instagram and the infrastructure required to store, fulfill, um, assemble um, actually ends up being a high value for for the amount of space that it takes up. So it ends up being a very good vertical right. for a startup to take on. And you know, you can like have $100,000 okay. worth of inventory for a jewelry brand and actually not take up a lot of space in a fulfillment center. Um, because they're in these little boxes. All right, let me uh, let me pause there for a second. Yep. So I see the vision. Now you have a friend who's going to work with you to create his his watch. You now have to find a place to go get it made, and you have to deal with all the headaches of that. You have no experience in that. What did you do to find the right factory for your friend, and then to be used by others? Yeah, good good question. I think um, part of that is we knew we didn't have this expertise and we had to surround ourselves with experts. Um, and then the other part was employing a lot of the stuff I learned from the early Uber days um, to treat the marketplace like one that uh, Uber would treat it as, which is there's a supply growth team. Um, they have awesome people that are, that are helping. And we had boots on the ground in India and China going and visiting factories during the pandemic. Uh, we vet every single factory we put together. Uh, a very strict, you know, process for us to not only source these factories, maybe it's through referrals, which we did originally through um, trusted suppliers. Um, and now we have a pretty robust process around 
sample production runs, testing the quality, getting certifications, and yep. it's kind of snowballed. But at the early well, days, add it some was... color to the first version. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more first... about the early days. I love the stories about somebody putting together this list of resources and suffering through it and flying, Ooh, sleeping gonna... on the floor, anything like that. Give yeah, me the you're story. gonna you're gonna love this. I think like if you really want to go through the early days, we were in New York. Um, yeah, do it. And okay. we would walk around the Diamond District in on 47th street. Um, and we would try and go to these stalls and ask people to join our platform in our marketplace. Um, and it was a super, super scary experience, which I think is, is now, you know, funny to look back on. Um, but I remember going in, uh, with me and, and a co-founder and we would start talking to people like, Hey, you like, you know, you help these people create these jewelry lines, you sell diamonds, like come onto our platform. And we essentially, uh, while we were talking to one person in one stall, the other person in the next stall would be like, oh, so you're going to basically create something that pits me against my friend who's right beside me. Um, or like, you know, and it got like really hostile really quick where we basically spent yeah. a couple of days there and we were, you know, not physically, but but effectively talked to 25 people and chased off that street. Um, and it was a, it was kind of an interesting uh learning experience for us where we're coming from san francisco and we're like this is gonna be easy just all the people that we ever need to digitize are like in this place um now it's just a matter of yeah. going and pitching them on it and and very quickly you realize that you know the jewelry and diamond industry um is very insular it's very um it's very hard to break into and so two young guys yeah. going and trying to say, we're going to basically make this street obsolete where you've done business for 25 years, uh, mostly by pen and paper with technology was was something that we were met with heavy, heavy resistance. And um, and again, I think we probably signed up maybe like we probably talked to like 100 people and we signed up like two um, and very quickly they turned off the platform. And, and that was our first dose of like, wow, getting into manufacturing and supply chain and talking to these people, they're not tech savvy adopters of clubhouse you know they're they're these people yeah. <laughs> that, that loan millions of dollars in jewelry out on a piece of paper and when you say like just set up a profile on uh, the internet they would say something like um they would say something like i don't want to compete with the other people on my street and to which i would respond sir you're already competing with people you just don't know it yet um the internet exists whether you want it or not um and, you know, that type of response. You know what? It's also that I, I feel like coming from the Bay Area mentality, it's a, we have a, a strange relationship with competition. Like when I first wanted to create my own event in the tech space, I just called people who had their events. Um, and they started like Charles Hudson, who's now a well-known VC. He had an event and he said, yeah, Andrew, let me tell you who I talk to. Here are the people yeah. who have meetups who can send people over your way. Like the whole thing. Noah Kagan, I met him because he told my neighbor everything, including here the financials of how he set it up, which is so weird. But you don't realize it's weird until you get out of the bubble. All right, so then who made who made the first jewelry? Who did you get to actually part participate? We actually did it super bootstrapped. We, we, so, so that was like, you know, that was a rude awakening where we were like, okay, wow, we actually have to prove value, tremendous value on the supply side, just to even have a couple of people. We ended up basically begging our way to get like three, like uh, three really, really good jewelry suppliers who could do a lot of stuff. And they work with some of the biggest brands. Okay. I went, I flew to Vegas on overnight. I went to a conference. I met the president of the conference. I said, please, you just got to like, help me meet someone. I'm like, <laughs> like just 
put me in di- put me in touch and let me have dinner with like three people that I can meet. And I just want to launch 20 brands at the time as I was saying. And I didn't realize how preposterous okay. that sounded to him when it's like a convention. To get 20 brands. Off 20... the ground. I'm like, let's just okay, do so... 20. Let's just... All right. So now. Yep. Now I've got, sorry, I've got the supply side of the, of the framework. Let's talk about the other side. How did you get the original creators? So what's interesting is like, we, yeah, we, we did it the old fashioned way where we started DMing people. We started emailing as many people as we can. We started talking, we were in New York, so we were lucky. So we went to all the people that were putting on events and we were like, we called them uh, we, we, like the, the pilot for the pilot, the first ever Pietro pilot. Oh my God, there's, this is giving me PTSD. Dude. Like this is the first ever pilot, like let's get 20 influencers. Good, take of, me to it. Of all sizes uh-huh. from 50K to 500K or 750K, like everything, we'll get a couple. Um, we went out and said, let's start 20 jewelry brands. And let's say we're going to work with you step-by-step step to launch a product line, right? And this is like elevated merch. We use all these things. And we found out that when you pitch the first three influencers to make a jewelry line, the second three go, I'm not going to copy these people. And so that's how we actually got into the mm-hmm. next one. We're like, okay, what do you want to do? And then we got this big spreadsheet and they were like, okay, now it's jewelry or sorry, now it's beauty, then it's clothing, then it's food and beverage. And we're like, wow, what needs to happen? Like that was the first, the first 20 people were basically like, we're all, one of us is going to do jewelry. You guys got to figure out 20 more verticals that we can go into. And so we're like, okay, this marketplace, uh, th- we're literally like, we're going to, f- even if we pay for everyone's jewelry, it's just like, they're not excited about it. And what we realized was like, oh, we knew right away that this, this marketplace needed to be, have depth and breadth. And so that like fundamentally changed the strategy and it came from these first 20 people. Um, and we ended up actually taking that and the first 20 people were launched across four categories, beauty, jewelry, clothing, uh, and candles and fragrances. I, um, I thought I saw candles on the first version. Yeah, those of are the site. top four categories on. on yeah. And they all stem from like just straight up talking to these people that we, we got them and we made a spreadsheet. And we're like, okay, uh, this can't be, you know, a single vertical to start with. Um, this market is going to want to express themselves. If I was to articulate it a year later, it's this market wants to express their creativity through unique options. And this is not a t-shirt slap a logo on it. This is not everyone should launch mugs or cell phone cases. This is like, I'm in, mm. I'm inspired by Fenty beauty and I want to make a beauty line, but I want to do none of the products that are already existing at Sephora. You know, it's like, it's one of these mentalities. Um, and, and I think, it's such an interesting um, learning. I think we were very early in the creator economy. And I think a lot of founders in the early days I see fall into these same traps, which is like thinking that this whole market can be treated like a pure software play and everyone's going to use the same template, you know, uh, like t-shirts and made to order. And like, just none of that world works for the, none of that, that world that's been built works for this new generation of brand owners. Um, and now yeah, the first generation were more like Zazzle. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. They just wanted to print their own thing on the same product as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now it's not, I want to put my logo on a coffee brand so I could sell it, but I want to add this secret recipe to my coffee brand and then sell that. It's got to be coffee and tea mixed together. Or exactly. Something like that. And I'm telling you, yeah, I'm telling you the ideas uh-huh. continue to baffle me, right? Like, we have a Give bunch of partnerships. We'll get people that's like, I would love to make this specific hot sauce, mustard, ketchup blend. And I'm like, wow, this marketplace yes. is going to have to grow in like a ton of different directions. I think like 
the team, the supplier. So then it's on Euro to go and find the create, the, find the supplier for that. Yeah. So so check this out. So what we realized very early on, and kudos to the the supply growth team at Pietro, which is you know the best in the world at doing this, which is like we learned early on that like there needed to be a framework of scaling up this marketplace, right? So we got probably got to like um, twenty five suppliers, thirty suppliers at the start of this year. Now we're up to three hundred. We'll probably end the year with five hundred across. 20 product categories and we really had to just you mm-hmm. we use that one insight where we just knew in our gut that like this marketplace was going to be one that needed to be a true competitor to alibaba for the rest of the world and need to be unique and so we built our entire company around what are the processes that need to be in place what are the global teams that need to exist so that when someone says i want to make a coffee that's instant coffee in a pouch for travelers we would be like we right. know how to get the top 25 coffee suppliers and there's latin american blends there's ecuadorian blends there's brooklyn roasted and we we built we were never the experts in the field but we built the ability to quickly become the experts and find the best people and then the sales pitch around bringing them onto the platform and now you know now it seems like we got this thing dialed in there's 20 30 suppliers every other week that are like being approved but it was like a pretty scary thought in the early days to be like we went from like wanting people to make necklaces, influencers to make necklaces, to now there's million dollar brands that are powered by Pietra's, you know, supply chain. Um, and we're like, wow, this is, it's a different beast. Uh, and, and kudos to the okay. team again that we built this team, we built the company to, to be able to, to react to that. Let me pause here and talk about my first sponsor, which is Send in Blue. It's an email marketing company. And I'm actually going to talk about it in the context of this woman who's on your platform. Her name is Liz Moody. And Liz does recipes, wellness. She's got her blog. She's got content on Instagram, on Pinterest, on everywhere. The interesting thing for me, though, is when you go to her site, she collects your email address to join her, her mailing list so that when she has a new idea for a product, and I know that she worked with you to create these cards, these conversation cards. She now has an email list of people who are interested in what she's up to, are willing to hear about it and be sold, not just willing, eager to see what else she's got for them that's unique, that's different, that's got her feel on it. And uh, and that goes back to the email list. If you're out there and you're trying to build an email list, there are tons of providers. I'm going to tell you one thing that separates Send in Blue. Yes, they have all the features you need, like the uh, marketing automation. So if somebody buys, you're not just bombarding them with more offers to buy. They've already bought. You can just retar- uh, start messaging them differently. But what they also have is easy onboarding and inexpensive price that does not jump up as you grow. That's one of the most painful things. You stick with the company, you get connected to them, it's hard to leave, and then they jack up the price. I love that Roe's nodding on this. I also love that Roe, as you're doing this, you're nodding and you're also pet. Is that your dog? Yeah, yeah. This is actually my friend's dog. Her name is Alfie. Um. Uh-huh. And she's crawling around. She's also interested. Maybe she should do a pet accessories line <laughs> and she can be the face of Ooh, it. Ooh, Alfie. Alfie, yeah. Alfie, go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. And even you, Alfie, will get a deep discount to get started and then a great service for the rest of your <laughs> for the rest of your career. All right. Sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. All right. I get where you're going with this. Now the process for getting more creators, did it continue to to be a DM, reach out to influencers type of thing. Talk to me about how the team that gets influencers on board changed. Yeah, so w- what's interesting is like we 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 had this we had this uh, first pilot um, very early on. We we actually then were like, okay, we know that they love it, and and we ha- are convinced. So last 
Christmas time, like let's say October to December, we were like, um, let's try and blow this up a little. Let's spend a little bit of our VC money doing some okay. Instagram like promotion. We made a couple of cool graphics, you know, still like pretty, pretty uh, low, low scale. But then overnight, you know, even our our very grassroots, like posts on Instagram, posts on Twitter, DM, you know, hundred people a day, everyone at the company. Um, we started getting like a surge in signups. And so uh, what we realized was like, oh, wow, a couple thousand people can sign up. Like, and then we looked at the numbers and there's 500 million people with over 10,000 followers on Instagram. And we're like, wow, okay, this is a huge pool. How do we make wait, a wait, system? Wait, there how many people with over 10,000? Yeah, the the, the Five? 500 million with over 10,000 followers. Okay. okay. Like think how big the creator right. pool. And wow. this is, yeah, think about this. This is like TikTok's growing in Clubhouse and we realized like, okay, we need a system to get this message out to to the world that there's another way that creators can monetize and, and people can build these businesses. And so we actually, uh, we did everything that we could think about to get in front of creators. And what we learned in the process was like, everything from hmm, Instagram makes it pretty hard to do things at scale to, to contact creators to we need to go to like hotspots in the city to find people and talk to them and bring them in physical places um, to realizing that uh, that there are so many creators out there of different shapes and sizes that you will, what we realize is like you can die under the pressure if you're not good at classifying creators, tailoring your message to where they are in the, in the, on the spectrum, like uh, we call them aspiring creators are way different than VIPs. And we started being super hacky and, and we almost got crushed by targeting the wrong types of creators. And I think not a lot of, uh, as well, not a lot of people talk about um, the different segments. Yeah. So this is something that, I mean, I don't know if it's secrets or not. We, we learned through, through experience, which is like, I think of it as there's three very clear segments in the creator economy and there are there's quicksand up for each of them, right? Um, the largest segment by far is this aspiring creator, small creator um, part of the spectrum. So you can think of it as like the far left of the spectrum, which is these are people who love making content online. It's a hobby. It may not be their full-time job, right? They don't have millions of followers. They're not getting crazy brand deals every day, but they are pursuing the dream of living online and creating content as a, as a core way of... Uh, core income to their lives. On the other end of the spectrum, there's the VIPs. They're the celebrities that launch products using Pietra. They're the movie stars, the James Bond actresses, the, you know, the daughters of, of actors. If you, if you follow the Twitter, I'm not going to shout out anyone's name, but you could see that there's some, some celebrities doing some stuff. Those are people who have agents and teams. And when you're selling the platform, it's like, they're not going to be using the platform. It's like their business manager is going to be mastering the platform. And, you know, they're just going to have an NBA star is just going to have the hoodie sent to his house to launch his line, not, you know, not using it. So, so the sales pitch ends up being completely different to these mm -hmm. people. And then there's a the group in the middle, which is, I think, like a very, very interesting segment, which is they're big and they're growing and you need to figure out, are they someone who are willing and motivated to launch their own business or are they looking for someone to launch it for them and for them to use it, like for them to just do the promotion? Okay. That's a lot of different types of people. How did you figure out who to go after? Painfully. And then what'd you do to Painfully to go is what I'll say. Okay. So we How? started with, I think the classic mistake of like the one big brand or the one big creator, this is going to make and break everything. Right. So you do everything bespoke you talk to, I won't mention, um, the superstar, but she's definitely a superstar household name. 
and you realize like, wow, just to get one small thing mm-hmm. off the ground, you're talking to her team and her legal team, her agents and UTA. And oh my God, you could just think about all the people talking to her. It takes eight months to like do anything with them. And all the while we were talking to her, we kind of knew that we were always building the tools to be self-service. And so while we were trying to go down this path of like one big launch, one big launch, you know, three months past, we're building all these tools for her team to use, which they're not using. Um, and we're finding that thousands of other creators that are aspiring are, are using it. And I'm like, wait, the amount of work that we need to put in to get a thousand people to sign up and use the tools uh. while I'm in this three hour brainstorming session with movie star, um, like there's way more here that we realized. And so we were like, wait a minute. And so after six months of like beating our heads against the wall, we're like, let's go to where the people actually want us. And it turns out when you have an authentic small community, even if it's like in the middle of America, like you're a mommy blogger in Utah, they can outsell movie stars. They can do $50,000 worth of sales in a day. And you're like, what, what is going on here? And you realize that during the process of coveting or, or going after these larger customers, we realize that Actually, the creator economy is built on authentic, highly engaged audiences, which come at any size, including the really mm-hmm. small sizes. So now you have smaller brands that can actually be more successful than, than these larger creator brands. So you know what? I've, I've known that for a while, but when it comes to most products, like if you're looking at a Teachable, right, they can help even the smallest creator create an online course as long as they've got a, a passionate audience, they could sell it. But there's very little involved in in setting one of those up. It's not expensive. When somebody's creating a new makeup line and they want influence into it, that's a lot of work and a lot of so money, it's, right? It's, it's it was a lot of work and it was a lot of money. And then Pietro came along, and it's a little bit less work and a little bit less money. Um, and and this is an important this is an important thing I think for for anyone listening, especially people who are excited about the creator economy, is when it comes to starting a business you need to be motivated to starting a business. It's like quitting a job. You can't force someone into it. You can't fake it. And and so what we found is the creators that self-selected into it were the ones that were motivated to put in the work as a true side project to start with. And they were excited by this idea of like talking to a supplier for 30 minutes and getting 10 formulas sent to their house for their blush cream that they can try, Right. On a Saturday, they would make a cup of coffee and be like, let me try and figure out, like, let me talk to five sustainable packaging suppliers and like, let me use Pietro to like hire a designer and have a phone call with them. What we found was like the self-selection were those people, right? That were, that were they understood that it's going to cost money, but they were willing to, to put in the time and effort. And what we did as Pietro is we took something that used to take tens of thousands of dollars to do and we brought it down to like maybe a couple thousand dollars. Right. And so we did our job, which is we worked with the suppliers say, what are your lowest MOQs? What are the lowest prices? What are the highest quality? What can we do to make your life easier? What are the tools we can build so you don't have to charge people so much? We took all those problems away from the creator. And now every supplier that joins on the platform, I would say, we have people that work with Ralph Lauren, Kim Kardashian, and you can work with them for as little as a couple hundred units. And so you get their quality. But we've worked on the partner side of the portal where they are not feeling like it's too much work to work with these smaller brands. And now that's how we bring access to these smaller brands. And so now high quality things can be made for very, very low MOQs. Um, and that's kind of the, the beauty of Pietra. Uh, and then the creator has to decide that they are willing to invest the money to make a batch of it. And if they're not willing to invest the money, 
then they've uh, weeded themselves out. And if they are, even if they sell nothing, you still haven't lost any money because you're just and, and as our them platform grows, got it. All right, so oh, let's yeah, talk go, about. Go, go, let me take a moment. I'm gonna. I was, I was gonna say one last thing, which is like, and as our ahead. platform grows, we or we can then bring on partners to offer things like we have inventory financing. You could take out a loan through the platform, not through Pietra, but through our platform through a partner that we come on with or we bring on. It's yep. all about a marketplace, and then the design for the packaging. It's not you. And you doing can hire it. a You're designer. Just adding it to the marketplace. It's more like and, a high. Right, a highly curated uh, Alibaba plus Upwork plus whatever, mm -hmm. right? All these, that's all it is. It's a highly curated marketplace. You just facilitate it. All right, I want to come back and I want to ask, like if I decided that I wanted to create, say, a set of cards that people could keep around their, their, their house that would a allow them to ask challenging questions of each other, how would I work with you? But first, let me take a moment and say that, you know what? The other thing that I noticed about Liz Moody is that she's, she just, she's just using WordPress. WordPress and WooCommerce to sell. You, you. By the way, do you also create the store for her, or is she just using so, WooCommerce uh, on her own? You can sell on the Creator Marketplace, and you can also connect your sales channels. So we've opened up the the world, so anyone with any website can can go in and 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 connect their website. Like if you have a Shopify website, it takes like a day. It takes like a couple minutes, um, and you could sell on your website. It looks like your own company, but it's powered through the Pietra Hub. Yep. Okay, WooCommerce seems like is also available. Am I right? Or WooCommerce is not available. I think she's You're a smiling. Maybe customer. I'm wrong. Um, no, she's she's using WooCommerce. Well, you know what? Maybe she's using both. Maybe she's I'll tell using you both. What, I do see that she's using uh, she's using WordPress to blog and to post her. I don't know why I'm obsessed with her. I I know what it is. <laughs> well, it just seems like such a. I think she should call it out. I think this is a clear one example. Of, it's here, let me let me. I'm not going to uh -huh. like steal her spotlight a little bit, but she's such an amazing creator and such a good businesswoman, but also very clearly made an authentic product that I will tell you, like if someone goes to my Twitter right now and sees the video I posted of her sales when she launched, it's just like a very quick video, no personal information shared, but you can see people going bonkers and, and why it's like, she is so smart where it's an authentic product. It's backed up by her content, her podcast, who she is. She didn't even have to do anything crazy. Um, and it's, I would say one of the most successful brand launches on Pietra this month. And like, maybe, um, she will go on to be one of the most successful all time. Um, but it's, it's, it's a perfect example of you don't need to be a mega celebrity to do this. You have a good, you have a small audience that's engaged. You can build a real business, a yeah. profitable business off these things and, and scale it effortlessly through Pietra. Um, but yeah, coming well, back to you, you want to know how it goes through with the cards. Let me bring it back to my sponsor. Here's the thing about the sponsor. Um, one of the things that I like about her is she's using all the platforms. She's on Instagram. She's on Pinterest. She's on anything you've got. She's, I think, on Twitter. I saw you retweet her. That's mm -hmm. how I reconnected. Or you share something on Twitter that she posted. But she also has a website to kind of be a home base to all of this, to her to her podcast, to her store. And that's what I was able to use when I wanted to understand who she was, what she was about, why so many people connected with her. Bottom line, if you're out there and you need a site to house everything that you're doing, to be your place on the internet, Get one that's inexpensive, that just works, and will scale with you. And if you go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy, you'll get all of that and an even lower price than everyone else that's using HostGator gets. So here it is, the URL again. Go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. Right. By the way, I'm seeing you. You're super entrepreneurial. I see you're digging this. You want to be an entrepreneur coming right out of school. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to my card idea in a moment. But <laughs> my card theft idea. I'm kind of taking Liz, Liz's idea and working with you. But 
how'd you end up going to Microsoft when you were so entrepreneurial, when it seemed like you were going to start uh, a business? Now looking back, it's just one of the, one of those stories that really gets me. Um, so actually after school, um, I went to Waterloo as an engineer, me and my best friend, uh, we, our final year project was actually a swing, an optical swing simulator. Think of a golf simulator, but for baseball. Um, and we we won a bunch of competitions. We actually got in front of the Toronto Blue Jays to sell our product to them. And this was like the crowning achievement in my life and my family's life by far. Like this was an amazing achievement for us to get there. And we got there and I knew nothing. I was like, you know, three days out of school. And they're like, cool, we like, how do you guys like produce hardware? How do you guys manufacture hardware? What's the software stack like? And we're like, look, we like made a bunch of prototypes and we like, you know, connected our way to this like sales pitch. We don't know how to run a hardware company. And so I was like very excited by that meeting. But as soon as I left, my co-founder was like, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. I was in Toronto. It was far away from Silicon Valley. I had no idea about VC investing. So I took a job at Microsoft for the paycheck basically. And like slowly tried to keep that company running while I was in Seattle. And then it slowly died because everyone in my, uh, me and my friend like took separate jobs and he stayed on the East coast. And to this day, I was like, I feel like that chip on my shoulder of like that close, you know, that young basically drove me to, to continue this. Uh, that if you were that close, that young, and you didn't follow through, now you're not going to stop just because you discover that the the guys on 47th Street are not going to sell you jewelry just because you <laughs> discover that selling one product is not enough and you got to sell a, a collection of them. All right, I get it. Um, all right, let's I come back to the bug, this dude. idea. So, I just got the bug. I feel like you had it from the beginning. I think I love that you used to burn CDs and sell them as a kid, something completely... <laughs> Completely illegal, but it's so common for people who I interview to have had that in their background. Oh, right. really? Yeah. So imagine I say, imagine I say, I want to have the ultimate card collection for conversations. People keep it on their coffee table, and they could pull it out and ask each other questions. I have that idea. I could write. I would have to write the questions on my own, right? And then come to the marketplace, and somebody would help design. Well, you tell me how much do I have to do, and then how much will you do for for me? Yeah, so so the the way to, the best way to think about it is we are digitizing what you would do in the real world, right? And making it a little bit easier. So you can come to Pietro with I know I want to do cards, but I don't know if they should be adult cards or baby cards or you know you could start with like that vague of an idea and you could go to the marketplace and you could type in the word cards um, in the supplier marketplace and you could find that there's like, I just typed it in here. There's game suppliers that do custom baby learning cards. There's like learning cards for kids. There's other card games. And so what we did is what we, what we realize is it is impossible to, to, to templatize what you have in your mind because there's a creative process to it. So how do we enable you to, you could be someone who wants to start with baby cards and understand more about it, but then also might have three of the 10 cards designed or three of the 30 cards designed, or just try and get like, a creative partner and be like, I just think that the baby market's booming or the adult card market is booming. Um, how do I like take advantage of this? And so we built the platform to basically cater to all of those um, journeys. And so you come to the marketplace, you type in cards, you find a game supplier, you can chat with them right away. You can look at their catalog and say, here's what other projects, you want to see my quality, order some samples. See like the stitching quality for if it's clothing, see the box quality if it's cards, see how big they are, small they are. And we digitize all that so you can go in right now, type in cards and order samples 
of a game that someone else has created, another supplier has created from somewhere in the world. If you love it, great. There's a big button that says chat with this supplier. You can hit that button. You have a real time talk to, you can talk to them in real time. You can video chat them. You can, you can imagine that you're, you're having this like collaborative experience with a supplier. We're not inventing new steps. We're not even really removing steps. We're just making it super easy where you don't have to go and I don't even know how you would go and find like vetted game suppliers, but we have people in, for example, uh, Shenzhen that can go and be like, what are all the games? What are all the top game suppliers that work with American brands that we want to put in this special category? What are the top Chinese suppliers um, in this category? So we make it easy for you to find them, communicate with them, transact with them um, and manage them. And so that's how you would start. And and everything else is then becomes um, like a, a click away. You design these cards, you love the samples. They're like, let's go make a batch of like a hundred of them. Let's see if we can sell them, right? As you're checking out for inventory, there's a single click that goes, hey, do you want Pietra to receive these? Um, organize it with your supplier to get through customs, assemble your product, photograph it, put it in a warehouse. We'll call you when that's done. One click, that would normally take six months, right? Which which factory or which factory will work with, with manufacturing house and then or or warehouse and which warehouse will connect to Shopify? Like that takes six months. All of a sudden it's one click, right? You get a call being like, Andrew, your cards are ready. This is how they look. We're going to send you one. Here are the photographs. We're going to send you one for you to see how your customers are going to get it. Like the next step for you is to go set up your website. Cool. Um, six months down to three weeks. And then the third part is you want to start selling. We go in a click. We'll take that photo. You set your price. You set your description. We'll sell it on the creator marketplace for you. Um, you can promote it. Here's your link. You can sell discounts. You can, you know, you can collect emails or you can go and do something crazy and create your own website and connect it. And here are the steps. So like we've taken something that takes on average two years to something that takes between 60, and 90 days. And all of the parts that are like, this is not going to be a differentiator for my company. We try and take away. So we want you to think about what the cards should look like, what they should be, work with a designer, you just want the cards to be shipped in two days to your customer, right? You don't need to, you don't have to put in six months of work to like know that you want that outcome. And we just give that to you in a click. So that's how I think you would get from, have an idea. You can design your cards. You do that through designers on the marketplace or in your head or with suppliers, and then set up your infrastructure, set up your website, start selling all from like literally your house if you want. I get it. Now I see what you're trying to do. It's every single thing that goes into it. And that feels all encompassing, but you can kind of put the pieces together based on what's already existing. So you don't have your own warehouses. You partner with someone else who does. It's all of it together in one. Am I right about yeah. that? I saw your eyes do something. Oh, as well, I said we don't, yeah, we own the emo- I it's, am. It's the creator doesn't have to uh, go and like talk to any warehouses, right? They they can. But do you row? Do you, mm-hmm. Does Pietra own the warehouses or are you partnering with other people who have the warehouses? No, now we now we have grown to own we own our own warehouses. It allows us to have the lowest cost ah. fulfillment in America, fastest fulfillment time in America. Um it's like a hundred percent better Got than it. the gold industry standard. Um, faster than Amazon? Amazon, they're it's hard because I don't know the data on Amazon, but for the open uh for the open marketplaces or for the open fulfillment centers that publish their data, I will say we're better than them based on their blogs. Okay. Um, and, okay. but, but again, think about the outcome, which is like what we are building is very similar to Amazon, which is Amazon is really good at what? Getting you your packages within three to five days. We want Liz Moody to get her customers to get our packages between three to five days, right? And that's all you need to know as a brand owner. Underneath, 
we own the fulfillment center. We have the employees. We have all these processes and checks and balances. But you as a brand owner don't need to become an expert in supply chain to launch a coffee table card game. And you shouldn't. Like, that's not the way the world should work. <laughs> like, you should think of new cards every quarter. I love also how you do the photos. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But look at this. This is your, it's your team that takes, like, the ones that, the products that have models on them, is it your team that's doing this? No. So, so we do, we do uh, e-commerce photography as a service. Um, and so, mm -hmm. but you are allowed to use your own lifestyle photos. Yeah, exactly. So it will be photos like this. Okay. Right? So we call them white background photos. The White background photos, but this one is a pair of pink, uh, I guess, sweatpants. They look really good on a on a model. You get the model too? Yeah. So if we do, I mean, we have a studio in our warehouse that things are, and then we have partners in New York for things that need props and models. And, and you'll see we're actually rolling out like pretty sophisticated, but fun uh, backdrops to photos. So like bright pink and like water backgrounds. And like, again, for us, we yeah. standardize the process so that, and by the way, the creators, is, these are services that creator has decided to pay for. Um, it, they're super low cost services because it's all mm -hmm. vertically integrated into our bundle. So you might spend 20 bucks for a photo, um, but you save two weeks of organizing with a, imagine going, finding a photographer right. and finding photographer a studio. Like how does that, yeah. we just go, look, we've received your stuff from customs. We're going to unpack it. Let's just throw it up into our studio. It's in <laughs> on the warehouse floor. Click, click, click. We send you the, the photos. And by the way, we'll also upload it to your shop for you. And it's all part of this like vertically integrated system. Um, and it's it's just phenomenal to see. I think like um, it's just phenomenal to see that what it's going to end up doing is just allowing the creative people to focus on the creative part. And it's going to standardize the parts of the business creation process that can be standardized for the world. And by the way, it doesn't matter if it's, leggings it could be a tea brand or a matcha brand i was in the warehouse and someone's launching a coffee line or sorry a coffee brand or sorry a chocolate brand like chocolate bars and i'm like okay like yeah like cool like we'll we'll take the photos and like i hope you are in whole foods one day and we will happily work with whole foods to get your stuff there if you you know put in an order to ship your product to, to a whole foods distribution center uh kind of cool to see all right i do wish that so i usually end the interviews by by the way do you hear that I do. You do. All right. So I've been, I, I got to Austin. I've been recording out of an office and I'm not enjoying the being in an office thing lately, even though I'm usually the person who loves being in an office. I just want to be outdoors. I want to be by the water. I want to, so I've been trying to figure out a way to make it work. And I think I've got a way, but I also know that I need to hit mute from time to time. <laughs> I'm here at some people, <laughs> one of my past guests told me about Mozart. I've been here before. It's a nice spot right by the water. Um, I think I've got it. We'll see. Listen, if you're listening to me in the audience, here's my email address. Give me feedback directly to me. Tell me, can you hear anything? What do you think of this? Is this adding to the vibe? Did you even notice that I was outside of the office? It's andrew at mixergy.com. Andrew at mixergy.com. All right. And for you, Ro, the website is pietrastudio.com. I think you need a better domain. Don't you think? Is that wrong for me to say? Um, it isn't wrong for you to say. I would say if, if it wasn't pietro.com, I'm all ears. <laughs> and if you, if you own pietro.com if you yeah if you own pietro.com this strip mall in japan um please 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 contact me and we will compensate you for this domain but but at the very least please just respond to my emails <laughs> and, and Andrew, if you want to see how i was an entrepreneur i've gotten so far where i've gotten someone in japan to go find the but it's like it's a strip mall that's run down like it's hard to find the owner um 
but I, I will I will compensate the the person who comes forward and says they own Pietro.com happily. Um, <laughs> I, they don't even seem to be using it at all. Am I right about nope. that? Yeah, they're not. It's that's you know what's what? killing me. Maybe Michael Seiger, who's been listening for a long time, will help us out with this. He's the guy who created Domain Sherpa, DNA Academy. He's he's helped so many other people get their domains. Maybe he's listening, or someone can pass a note on to him about this. Um, Love that. What's the name Pietra come from? So it's interesting. Pietro is actually stone in Italian, and it comes from our jewelry roots. Um, and few people know this, but the the the, we had a couple of different names, and as we were thinking about a brand that can both scale up and has solidity and like a luxurious feel, right, which is important for jewelry trustworthiness, um, and then it was ultimately actually chosen by Anna Wintour, which few people don't know, and this is the first time I think I'm publicly saying this, which is um, we were we were we were going through a bunch of different ideas, and we and and uh, this one came across. One of our employees knows her, is related to her, and, and so this came across, and she was like, "That's the one." And we're like, "You know what? Let's just go with this one." Um, so I haven't told that story publicly, but it's a it's a pretty funny one, I think. Um, and and one we stuck by, and now we love it. Um, impressive, actually. All right, so it is actually at PietraStudio.com for anyone who wants to go check out the site, right? And I want yep. to thank my two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you need a website hosted, go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. And the second, when you're ready to do email marketing, get started with the company that you're going to love later on too, not just the day you sign up. And that is SendInBlue. Go to SendInBlue.com slash Mixergy. Ro, so good to have you on here. Thank you so much, man. I'll come back anytime.